and welcome to 40 for 80, the sweetest season, episode two in our Chronicles of Georgia's magical 12-0 run to the 1980 National Championship. Today, we revisit the Bulldogs' 42-0 route of Texas A&M at Sanford Stadium. Our very special guest today, two Georgia legends from Thomaston GA, Mike Cavan, who quarterbacked the Bulldogs at the 1968 SEC title, and coach running backs on Vince Dooley's staff, famously recruiting Herschel Walker to Georgia and our team captain of the 1980 National Champions, one of the great linebackers in school history, born in Barcelona, Spain, a native of Greenville, South Carolina, number 48, Frank Ross. I'm your host, Jeff Dantzler. I can't thank you two distinguished gentlemen enough for being our guest today. And uh, Frank, we'll lead it off with you. Uh, let's start with the feeling heading into the game against Texas A&M, coming off of that incredible victory over Tennessee. Well, obviously, you know, we're still trying to, I guess you can say, building confidence in the Tennessee game, I think, gave us a, a boost of confidence Confidence that, you know, hey, we can play and, and, and hang in there with the best. Because Tennessee, I thought, was probably the best team we played in, in 1980 when they had the full complement of players. They ended up losing a couple of guys as the season went on, and but still had had uh, had uh, good games against Southern Cal and Alabama. I think it came down to a field goal. So I felt like we went into the A&M game with comp, you know, with some more confidence than we, I think we went into the Tennessee game. But it was interesting because the way it turned out, uh, I don't think any of us would have expected that. Coach Cavan, the way we won at Tennessee, the, the, the comeback, I think there was that feeling of destiny. Uh, was there a little of, of that mojo, that magic that you felt we had heading into that second game, or were we still just trying to figure things out? Well, I think it's a combination of both. I think that uh, obviously winning on the road in a conference opener like that in, in Knoxville was a big win for us, and no doubt about that. But I still think that uh, at that point, we didn't quite know what we were going to be. I think we had an idea. I think that we all felt good about our nucleus of our football team, our leadership of of our seniors of Frank and all those guys that, that we had tremendous leadership and could we just could we just just continue to grow each game I think that was the main thing just to grow a little bit and have a chance you know to to have a great season so uh, we were at the early stages no question but uh, the opening game had given us some confidence uh, you know whenever you go on a road like that early in the year particular opening game and win and, and you were down as much as we were and come back and win, it gives you confidence. So I think we went, I think we were gaining confidence and uh, we just need to go out and keep playing. And, and I think that's what the, each, each week brought. And certainly the next game was A&M and, and another challenge for us from a uh, Southwest conference team that, uh, you know, we didn't know much about, but uh, I don't think, I don't know how many times we played them. I never, that I knew of, but uh so we just, you know, we were just plugging along, just uh, uh, taking it week by week, and this was the next week. In fact, that was the first time we had played A&M since 1954. That, that was Bear Bryant's Junction Boys team. Yeah. They got their only win of the year here in Athens. So <laughs> it had been 26 years. And, uh, Coach, I, I've always said that 80 team up to that point, that was the greatest senior class in Georgia history and the greatest freshman class in Georgia history. It was a confluence of those two, and we certainly saw it in Knoxville. And then again, against Texas A&M, did you have an idea yet what we had in Herschel even beyond what he did in the second half at Tennessee? Well, you know, I've often said I, I, he, was, he was the 
biggest, fastest back I'd ever seen. And, 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 you know, I, I didn't, I don't think anybody realized his, his, uh, toughness that, uh, you know, that none of us knew that, you know, we, we learned that as, as the season went along and his career went along that, uh, he would answer the bell, uh, more than anybody I'd ever seen, you know, I don't think we knew that. Uh, we learned it as the year went along, as I say, but uh, uh, it was, uh, he was, again, uh, still the fastest, biggest back I'd ever seen. Still might be today <laughs> the biggest, fastest back I've ever seen. So I think that after the Tennessee game, I think it was just a, it was a matter of time before it showed. And certainly in the second ball game, it did, I think. The one run there that he hit, uh, I don't know how far it was, 80 yards or whatever it was. And I'll never forget standing next to Coach Russell. <laughs> and, he, and he said, you know, I've watched that happen on this field many a time, but it's never been from one of our guys. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, it, and, it, and he, he said, Coach Russell always had the funniest things to say. And it, it just hit me. It was really funny. He said, never have seen one of our guys do that. And it was, it, you know, I think that, that showed – what we really had in him that 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 ball game that it was a guy that could go all the way at any time. Frank, one more thing about Tennessee before we get into Texas A&M, and we talked about this last week with um, uh, Hugh Nall and Chris Welton. Uh, the defense, you guys were keeping us in that game, and, and, and the offense was just fighting and scrapping. Uh, when when Herschel came in and gave the team that lift. What kind of a jolt did that give the team in the Tennessee game? And then it certainly had to carry over into practice and into the Texas A&M game. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, when Urza came in there, in, 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 in all fairness, if you look at that play where he runs over Bates on his first touchdown, the hole is humongous. It was one hell of a block, uh, blocking scheme by our offensive line. If you look at it, it's a huge gap. But Hersh, of course, does the rest by running over Bates and then breaking two more tackles. Actually, had four, broke four tackles on that run. Um, obviously, when you have somebody that can do that, it, it really sparks a team. And it, it happened throughout the season, uh, really on all three phases of the ball game, kicking, offense, and defense. We create a fumble or Herschel break a long one and score or the special teams. Uh, Warner, as you'll probably see next week in the Clemson highlights where he, you know, he broke open for, for long punt returns. Those kind of sparks make a huge difference and can actually turn momentum. Uh, one thing that's important about the Tennessee game we don't think about, if we don't win that game, we're probably not having this conversation right now because that was the an opener with the you know with the SEC. If you don't win that game, you probably don't win the SEC, and you're sure not going to win the national championship most likely. Uh, so that game was really, really crucial to that season. And um, obviously heading into the A&M game, um, we were still very focused. The coaches did a great job that year. I have to take my, take my hat to them. They kept us believing that, if we didn't play to our top, to the best of our ability, uh, we, were, we weren't going to win the game. It's going to be very difficult to do that. And so we're prepared with that mentality um, every, every, every game. And I think the seniors had that mentality because the coaches had put that into our heads. And then I think the underclassmen saw how we were taking it. And I think they accepted the same mindset. And I thought it was very helpful throughout the year. All right, Frank, as we get into the Texas A&M game, uh, they had beaten Ole Miss on the road in their season opener. And it's interesting, uh, the year before, we had both gone six and five. We lost a lot of close games. They lost a lot of close games. We had both won close openers in road games. And so th this was really a swing game, I think, from both teams. 
They had a terrific back, and Johnny Hector, who had a long career in the NFL, played 10 years for the New York Jets. But one of the biggest advantages we had in getting back to coaching, and the, the three of us all, all share a deep, deep love for the great man, Irk Russell, uh, almost like in poker, he picked up a tell for Texas A&M and their left tackle. Uh, can you take us through that, through the meetings, and then the story of how that transpired on the field? Yeah, I mean, during the week, Coach Russell had caught, had noticed the left tackle uh, either leaning back or leaning forward and could almost, to almost 100% precision, pick what uh, is going to be a run or a pass, which obviously helps a lot because you eliminate, you eliminate about 50% of the possibilities when you do that. And uh, so during the, so we decided, he instructed us during the game to, uh, if, if it's going to be run, yell out a word that starts with the R. If it's going to be a pass, yell out a word that starts with the P not the same word every time. And then we can figure out how we, how we were doing this is basically, and actually offensive tackle was, if I remember correctly, was an All-American candidate for them. And it was crucial because that year, that uh, their quarterback mostly was a dual threat quarterback, great athlete, but by being able to limit what they were doing or at least figure out what they're going to do, it made a huge difference for us. Uh, Mike, in, in the game, we had a ton of big plays offensively. You mentioned the long run from Herschel. That was a 76-yarder that, that put the finishing touches uh, on the game. But we also had six pass plays that day that went for over 20 yards. And I think just, just getting the mix of having Herschel and then showing that we would have that big play passing ability, uh, that was not only a key to the victory, but it really helped set the tone for our offense for the rest of the year. Well, I think so. I, you know, Buck Blues, you know, goes down in my books as one of the best quarterbacks ever played here. You know, he he's, uh, you know, and he was playing in a system that was to run the football. But he he was a great passer, a great leader, and uh, certainly that game uh, showed that we could make explosive plays in the passing game. And when it, when you can do that and have the running back like we had at that, you know, with Herschel. Uh, that's that's what you're looking for. You're looking for balance like that. And I think that uh, Buck and uh, and Lindsey and the receivers, you know, all the receivers together, uh, gave us the balance. Uh, even though uh, if it got right down to it, you know, we were a running football team. There's no question about that. But we still had the ability with Buck to be able to throw the football down the field, and that's what kept people from maybe crowding us more than they did. They crowded us pretty much with you know, stop the running game. But when they did that, we always had the opportunity with Buck to make the big play. Uh, Coach, I'm, I'm sure everybody can sense that as the season went on, and probably at this point, too, just the heart and soul of this team. Uh, so many seniors uh, on that offensive front, you know, talking about guys like Jimmy Womack at fullback, obviously Frank at linebacker, and, and the secondary as well, that senior leadership. And one of the things that, that Chris and Hugh had talked about last week we had the great team with the Wonder Dogs in 78, you know, the disappointment of 1979, that those seniors, they got together and said, we are not going to go out as a mediocre group here. We're going to do something special here. Could you sense that leadership from that group this early in the season? Oh, I no question about that. I mean, that, that goes without saying that uh, uh, the, the team was, it was senior-oriented. There's no question. I mean, I, I don't know, Frank, 26, was it something like that, 28? Yeah, we, or yeah. You had, we had 24 seniors. That 24, year. okay. And, and, you know, th those guys had been around. They'd been through some tough times. 
you know, they came in as freshmen in one of our worst years we've ever had. Then we turned that around in 78, you know, and had a good year. Then 70, 79, as you said, was not as good. And so they'd been through the ups and downs. The experience those guys got over those years was was invaluable to us. So, but the leadership was unreal. The, the senior leadership, uh, you know, it all goes back to all the, the summer, you know, the spring, the, the pig and all that stuff that, that kind of, drew the team even closer, you know, but uh, it was a close-knit group of guys. And then we had a freshman class that came in, you know, with, you know, outside of Herschel, you know, everybody knows about him, but we had some other great players in the freshman that year. You know, I think Clarence K, good gosh, and some of those guys that came in and contributed, Tommy Thurston, uh, uh, all those guys that were freshmen that came in and, and helped. But, but make no mistake about it, this was a – uh, this was a senior-led football team with great leadership that we could not have done what we did without those guys. I mean, they they were the backbone of the football team, and we just we were very fortunate to add some young blood to them that, that carried us on to what we did, and that was to be undefeated and win the national championship. So it was a it was special. I mean, no doubt about it. it. I mean, that's the reason we're still sitting here talking about it 40 years later. It was special. They were they were a special bunch of guys and a uh, uh, great bunch of guys. It, it was it was a fun year, great year, the, the best year. And Frank, I think Coach Cavan hit on the point there. It's it's a lot easier for freshmen to succeed when they're surrounded by veterans on offense. Buck was a junior, Lindsey was a junior, Womack and and Stewart were seniors and juniors. Amp Arnold was a senior. The, the offensive line, a lot of veterans there, and certainly. On defense, we've talked about the heart and soul with, with, with you in the middle and, and all those seniors in the secondary and guys like Eddie Weaver and Jimmy Payne up front. It did make it easier didn't it, to, to cycle in guys like, as Coach mentioned, Tommy Thurston, Freddie Gilbert, that were able to get in there and just give us that, that little bit of extra juice that you need in a long season to do something special. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because really, Coach Cam, you remember before then, we really didn't do a lot of alternating. Uh, yeah during crucial periods of the game. And uh, having those, that class, which today, uh, Coach, you probably know better than I do, but that class would be ranked number one in the country in recruiting. I mean, you had Herschel, the top no player question. in the country. Winford Hood was parade lineman of the year. Freddie Gibber, All-American. Tommy Thurston, All-American. Clarence K, All-American. I mean, I could go on. They had, I mean, that team was unbelievable. Uh, young guys, but it allowed, it allowed them to, number one, contribute right off the bat, especially in the special teams. They made several plays in the special teams that year that were crucial in turning games around. Uh, but also it allowed, uh, it allowed us the, the luxury of having those guys play alongside a, a, a veteran. For example, Tommy, after the first series, would come in with me. And so he'd have upperclassmen, you know, making sure that he was lined up and doing what he's supposed to do. And then next, uh, you know, Nate would come in with Will and do the same thing. We did that on defensive line on offense. I know we rotated some linemen. And so it really did allow us a luxury to get these guys some experience, but also contribute and not get you beat. So it was a it was it was a, it was a good combination uh, for the football program, I think overall. But when you talk about the leadership, Herschel and even Freddie said, you know, he goes, uh, and he, even the record will show that, you know, the years after that, we had unbelievable recruiting classes. Everybody wanted to come play at Georgia, uh, especially because Herschel was there and we had a lot of success. Um, but the next two years, we really should have won another national championship, two more national championships, and we didn't, unfortunately. But when talking with Herschel and Fred and them, they said that when they came in as freshmen, 
they realized the pace and the commitment that the upperclassmen had gave them no choice but to step up their game and, 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 play, and play at a higher level. And to me, the definition of leadership is one that by their, by their presence elevates everybody else's performance to a higher level. And I like to think that the upperclassmen, by the, our attitudes, um, did that elevated those freshmen to a higher level of performance. No question about that. There's another true freshman that played in one game who made a pretty big play uh, against Notre Dame. Uh, more on him later, Mr. Terry Hoke there. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Frank, let's talk about the defense in this uh, Texas A&M game, shutting them out, as you said, a, a dual-threat quarterback. We mentioned Johnny Hector, who was, who was just a terrific back. We forced them into 11 punts that day and came up with six turnovers. When the turnovers start coming like that, after the first couple, after the first one or two there, as a defense, do you just get the feel that it's going to be one of those kind of days? Well, I mean, you know, you kind of take each series, each series as they come, obviously. Uh, but again, I mean, the, the, the observation that Coach Russell made really, really helped because you're playing against a – a running back that's one of the tops in the country, a quarterback that's probably the best dual threat that year, and, you know, good offensive line uh, that you're playing against. And so if you can eliminate 50% of the possibilities um, or at least narrow it down, uh, you know, if it's run or pass, it allows you to shift your defense and, and, and allocate resources to stop what you know is at least going to be a run. You may not know if it's right or left, um, but you, you can eliminate it. Um, Obviously, turnovers ignites every, you know a football game, um, just like long runs by Herschel or, or long passes ignites a team or, or a special teams play uh, does that. That game, it just happened that the defense stepped up and, and, and made some crucial uh, hits and turnovers. And, and But, you know, I can go to other games where the offense did the same thing for us. So you kind of take a series at a time, but it does give you momentum. Uh, as you go in there, and, and obviously success breeds success, and, and that just kept us fired up and going. All right, let's run into a timeout. Back with more from Mike Cavett and Frank Ross, two great Georgia legends as we continue on talking about Georgia's 42-0 victory over Texas A&M. Game number two, 40 for 80, the sweetest season, right here on the Georgia Bulldogs Sports Network. Welcome back to 40 for 80, the sweetest season. Two Georgia greats, Frank Ross and Mike Cavan with us. And coach, before we went into the timeout, Frank mentioned uh, just how this team fed off of one another. And when you think about our great offense, our tremendous uh, defense, and the best special teams in the country. We had the best kicker in Rex Robinson. We only gave up eight punt return yards all year. And uh, Scott Werner averaged over 13 yards a clip there. Uh, this really was a perfect scenario, wasn't it? And it's a beautiful thing to see, I know, as a coach and a player, when the offense leads into the special teams, which leads into the defense, which leads into the special teams, when you've got all three facets really feeding one another. And, and, and this team was a prime example of that. And certainly uh, that was a prime example against Texas A&M. Whenever you're talking about a great football team uh, that goes all the way and goes undefeated and wins a national championship, it's a lot of things have to happen for you. You know, you got to have some breaks here and there, but you have to be good in all three phases to get there. You got to be good offense, defense, special teams. And uh, I think that's, that's what we were. We were very, very good in all three phases. And, and, and certainly, uh, you know, you can be great on, on one or two, but, uh, but I don't think you'll go all the way. 
but if you're great on all three, then then you got a chance to go all the way. And uh, that's what this team was. We 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 ended up being a a really good defense, a really good offense, and a really good special teams team. So that was that's what made this team. I mean, you know, that's what makes any team, even today. I mean, you know, you got to be good in all three phases to be a great football team. And uh, we were we were a great football team because of that. Because we all the guys bought into it. They bought into the special teams. They bought into being the best they were. And, and we had some great. You know, Scott Warner. You know, as you mentioned, was a tremendous returner and then Rex Robinson a great kicker uh, so we you know we had the we had the people there and then all the other guys but you know uh, people forget that you know on special teams you know beside the kicker there's 10 other guys doing their job you know and besides Scott there were 10 other guys doing their job to make, let him do what he did so it was it's all about the team it's all about the who who contributes uh, you know to make you uh, get to us to an undefeated season in a national championship. It's everybody has to buy in. I mean, that's, and that's what these guys did. And it was done because again, because of our senior leadership, they bought in and, and I, all the young guys bought in because they saw what the seniors were doing. And, and, and that's what happens. That's what, that's how seasons happen like that is because of all those things you talk about. Coach Kevin brings up a great point. There was, I think, some unsung heroes of oh, that yeah. year, and those guys. There were some guys that uh, that really contributed that year, but weren't starters who had been starters. So think about this: you're a senior or a junior, you've started in your career, and all of a sudden, your senior year, for whatever reason, you're not the starter. You're probably getting some playing time, but you're not a starter. And those kind of players can either be a positive or a disruptor. And those guys chose to be a contributor at whatever yeah. they had to do. They bought into the system. They bought into what, as a team, we were trying to accomplish, what the coaches had directed us to do. And so you got people like, for example, Bob Kelly and Steve Kelly. Both of them had started during their career. And now here's Bob as a senior. Wasn't necessarily starting. was getting playing time. He started a few games. You got Steve who started at running back before and he had played in, in other games. And all of a sudden, Notre Dame game, if those guys aren't fully committed to the Georgia football team, that play, the long kickoff that was a turnover, never happens. Because yeah. if Bob, if you look at the film, if Steve Kelly doesn't go 100%, he barely got to the ball. And if Bob's not going 100%, when the ball pops out, he's not there to get it. Um, Greg Bell. Same thing, Auburn game. I think he blocked the punt, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, I mean, you know, Joe Happy in the Tennessee game. Uh, he had been a starter at Fordham. Came to Georgia, was not starting that game, um, but was committed to what we're doing because that uh, turnover in the ten Tennessee game. I mean, you can name a bunch of different ones. But to me, uh, those guys, to me, were the unsung heroes because they, they bought into the whole process. I think uh, Donnie McMickens was another example. Here yep. he gets yep. beat out by by Herschel, you know, yep. and he he plays his tail off on special teams. I mean, you know, all those guys. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. They just they didn't go pout, and you know, they they bought into everything, you know, yep. and so that's why we were good on special teams. We had seniors on special teams doing. You know, Greg Bell, good gosh, and and Donnie. I mean, it's just the whole thing of being unselfish. That's what it yep. is. Just being yep. unselfish. Because, Coach, we've seen in the previous teams the opposite happen, that some of the players became disruptors. Oh, yeah. Sure. And, you know, yeah, people – Happens like, every time. Yeah. But it was amazing that year. 
everybody was committed. Middleton, yep. I mean, guys that had been there four years, they got on special teams. They were doing everything they could to contribute. And that's just, it's, it's hard to have a team do that because you got a bunch of different personalities, 100 different personalities, and everybody has their own agenda. But for some reason that year, it all came together. I think a lot had to do with the seniors because we were really committed. And we kind of – No question. You know, we kind of led by example and then put up a lot of, a lot of stuff. Coach, you remember – you might have been recruiting. Were you there the spring before our senior year when Coach Julie brought that – I don't know if he was a motivational speaker, what would you call him? Were you there when he, we, he met with us and we had to fill out those cards? Yeah. All right. People don't realize this. In my four years at Georgia, the first three years, national championship was never uttered. It was always SEC championship. Yep. That's what that's what the goal was. For some reason, that spring, Coach Duda brings a motivational speaker. He talks to us, and finally he says, "What what is y'all's goal for next year?" And for the first time ever, people said national championship. And the gentleman said, "Well, if that's your goal, when is that? To, when can you achieve that?" We said, "It will be January first, nineteen eighty-one." So he pulled out three by five cards, handed them to us, and some pencils, and said, "Write national champions." January 1st, 1981, I want you to put it on your mirror. It's the first thing you see in the morning, the last thing you see when you go to yep. bed. And it's kind of interesting when that national championship never been utter, uttered, even at sea grades. You can ask, I don't know if Welton told you or not, we had painted on our backs national champions during sea grades. That never happened before. So it's kind of interesting how it evolved into that, into that mentality, which is great. Frank, one of the things that this team had was a belief. And there was certainly, with you group of players, the coaches, a belief amongst yourselves that, that you could do something special. And that's a wonderful story uh, that proves that true. And, you know, you think from a fan standpoint, uh, after the Virginia game, 31 nothing the year before, nobody's thinking, hey, Georgia's going to win the national title. And, and when Tennessee's winning 15 nothing in Knoxville, uh, that's probably the furthest thing from anybody's mind. Did the manner in which we beat Tennessee, how much did that help? As opposed to, say, if we'd have gone up there and won something like 24-7, everything that we overcome, how much did that help down the road against Clemson, against South Carolina, against Florida, against Notre Dame? To me, I think that that was a key because when you have to go through a struggle like that and then come ahead, I mean, remember, they were at the five-yard line when they – handed off to the running back, and Nate caused a fumble. Well, actually, about the one-yard line. I mean, if they score that at that time, it's probably game over. So when you go through that kind of adversity and you have to keep pushing, you have to keep giving it all you got, no matter how tired you are, it just I think it just hones your skills and your and your mental strength. And I think, to me, I'm glad that that first game was that difficult. Obviously, you like to win every game by a lot, but I think what it did, it kept us grounded. Under, to me, it underlined what the coaches kept telling us every – week hey guys if y'all don't play your absolute best your chance of winning are not great if you play hard and you keep pushing good things will happen and so he kind of supported what they've been telling us uh if you keep plugging away you keep working hard you play your best and just never never give up good things will happen and so that kind of proved to us you know obviously uh what the coach has been trying to beat into our heads so yeah i think i think it played into it but the whole year was like that. If you look at the scores that year, uh, we could have easily been six and five, if I remember correctly. If you look at some of the scores, how close they were. But it was just that constant coaching and that constant belief in, in, in the process and the system that we were in. And, and Coach, with that, 
um, is as tough as the Tennessee game was, and obviously Clemson the next week, that was a, a knee knocker that we pull out 20 to 16. You want to win every game big, but, but I think looking back, the fact that that A&M game came between Tennessee and Clemson, and it wound up being a big score, so we didn't have to use all the gas in the tank, that was a great spot in the schedule to get a win of that caliber. Yeah, I think you're yeah, 100% right, but I think that to reiterate what uh, Frank said about the winning that game in Knoxville in, uh, by a close score, I mean, we ended up with five or six ball games that year that was down to one score. I mean, you know, but what it gave us confidence that we could win. We felt like if we could get to the fourth quarter and be, and, and, you know, and be in the game, we'd win the game. That's, you know, we felt like that at Notre Dame game for the championship. Hey, keep it close. We'll win the ball game. That they believe that. I mean, you know, and I think it all started uh, in Knoxville, and then the, obviously, like you say, the second week. It's always good to have a game like that in between because you do get a little break right there. It's when you start going back to back to back, and everything's just, you know, it's good to break that up with with a blowout win, in which we had, and and I, and, and obviously that kept propelling us forward uh, to in the season. But uh, make no mistake about it. We learned how to win close ball games at Knoxville, and it carried over the whole year. It carried all the way to the national championship. They believed that if we, in the fourth quarter, if we were close, we were going to win. And, and they believed that. And that's, that's what they did. I, I think another thing that's so important, and not at all saying that turnovers are a break because you cause turnovers, but it's one thing to, to get a play, to get a break. It's another thing to cash in on it. And I think that 1980 team did a great job of capitalizing and in oh. that A&M game you know we got the six turnovers um uh, when it's seven and nothing, uh, we get a 50-yard pass to Norris Brown that set up a short touchdown. Scott had a pump return down inside the five-yard line that set up a touchdown. That was a prime example to me, as we've talked about. Obviously, the offense had a great day. The defense had a great day. And, and the special teams had a big play. But, but just being able to capitalize when we had our chances was so important uh, to that team's success. I don't think doubt about that. You cause turnovers, like you say, but you got to take advantage of it too and, and do something with them. And we did that every time. Frank, how about that with the with the defense? Uh, and, and in this game, the turnovers were, were coming fast. You, you kind of start getting that nose from the football. It increases the confidence you're playing with. And then all of a sudden, you look on the other side, or we're hitting all these big pass plays. And you know, you've got th that whirling dervish, number 34 over there. Gosh, knows that had to give you a lot of juice. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you knew, you know, that year we led the, t the country in turnover ratio. And a lot of it had to do with the offense didn't turn over the ball much, and defense created its share of turnovers. And that motivates both sides of the ball. And obviously, even the, even in the special teams created several turnovers that year. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a motivating factor that you know that if you cause a turnover, your offense is probably going to take advantage of it and capitalize and put some points on the board. And that makes a huge difference, trust me. Uh, people don't realize – what a long run that Herschel, you know, the long runs he did that year, just how much that can break open a game in different manners. One, obviously, by score. Number two, the confidence that you get on a defense or special teams, even offense, makes a big uh, yeah. difference. And I thought that was – you know, I think we had a good puzzle our junior year for the most part. Uh, we had – but there's one huge missing piece, and that's that person that can do what Herschel did. He just created just huge opportunities. 
when he got the ball in his hands and, and made a big difference. And coach, uh, you know, you had mentioned this before and going back to what coach Russell had said when he broke the long run, uh, Herschel's the best there's ever been, but it was also so important because there'd been a lot of great backs from the state who, who had gotten away guys like George <laughs> Rogers and, and Eddie Lee Ivory and, and James Brooks and, and Lionel James. So, so getting Herschel was just of paramount importance. And now it was okay. Now we've got our guy. And our guy is even better than all those great players. I'm glad uh, that we put the time in, uh, that, that we all put the time in to get him here because it was, it, it was well worth it. And, and the good thing about him was is that he, he came here with the attitude, I'm going to go to work and I'm, I'm going to fit in with these guys. It's not about me. It's about the team. And he, from day one, he was a team all the way, you know, and – and I still say this today, and Frank may, <laughs> may back this up, you know, as we practice in fall practice, you know, he, he never really did a whole lot in fall practice. But I, I really believe that I don't think he wanted to – I don't think he wanted to try to show anybody up. I think he just was waiting his time for the ball game. And then he – you know. But, I mean, he practiced hard. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean that. But Frank knows what I'm talking about. It was, you know – I, I don't remember him ever breaking any runs in, in fall practice. Do you, Frank? I, I, I just that's don't. A, that's the surprise is when we saw those, when those things started happening. We, you yeah. know, we just – we never saw that. Now, in all fairness, he was – you know, you bring a freshman in and all of a sudden he's playing against a, a, a – de- he's practicing against the defense and ended up being one of the top defenses in the country. Yeah. We had some, we had some good players. I mean, Eddie Weaver uh, uh, was an unbelievable player. Um, you had uh, – I mean, you could – obviously – Jimmy Payne was all American. I mean, Gilbert. Yeah. yeah. We had some guys. And so, you, you know, you bring in a freshman in, I don't care how great you are. And especially, give an example where I think Herschel earned, I think, uh, at least the senior or the upper class in respect was the first day that we did hitting. We're doing seven on seven. Well, it doesn't take a genius to figure out where the ball was going. It's going between the tight end and the tackles. Okay. And um, the first play, I don't remember this, Coach, uh, Coach Kevin, you remember this or not? They hand the ball off to Herschel on a lead play up the middle. And uh, Weaver, uh, Nate Taylor, myself, just just crank him pretty good. And of course, we're all fired up, first play of hitting and all that, and we're talking smack. And Herschel just puts the ball down and jogs back to the huddle, doesn't mouth off, doesn't say anything. Uh, and you realize, you know, this guy's humble and he's committed to the team versus himself. Yep. And that was just an example on just the first play from scrimmage in a, in a hitting situation how he reacted. He could have reacted totally different the way we were acting. (laughs) Yep. All right, we're going to wrap things up after we pause one final time, 40 for 80, with our special guest, Bulldog legends Mike Cavett and Frank Ross. It's 40 for 80, the sweetest season, right here on the George Bulldog Sports Network. Welcome back to 40 for 80, the sweetest season. As we talk about Georgia's 42-0 victory over the Texas A&M Aggies, the Bulldog greats Mike Cavett and Frank Ross. And uh, Frank, uh, that game against the Aggies kicked off at 1.30. It ended at 4 o'clock. Uh, you got back late the week before from Knoxville. So it was still summer. It was hot that day. Uh, could you guys kind of catch your breath a little bit and, and soak in that, hey, all of a sudden we're 2-0 and right now? And uh, what was Athens-Georgia like that night after beating the Aggies? That's why Coach Rose always told us, gentlemen, it's nothing like being a bulldog on a Saturday night, especially after a bulldog win. <laughs> you know, obviously, it's always, it's always, he, 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 that was true. He, he'd been yeah. there. He knows what it's like. Um, 
I, you know, being two and zero, I, I don't think we looked at it like, oh, we, we, we're on our, we're on our way, we're doing great. No, the coaches had put it in our head one game at a time. Yep. Um, you better be focused on that game. Uh, the next game, we'll focus when it gets here uh, for practice. So, did we go? Yeah, of course. We enjoyed the, the evening. We enjoyed being two and zero. It was exciting, but you know, two and zero in relative terms is not a huge of a deal. Uh, the fact that we won 44 nothing kind of surprises, I'll be honest with you. I didn't think that that's how the outcome is going to be when you look at the talent they had and the struggle we had against Tennessee. Um, but, again, retrospect, as I mentioned earlier, I thought Tennessee had the best team we played that year, including Notre Dame. Uh, Kevin, Coach Kevin may disagree, but I, I – no, no, they were they were good, and particularly up there. I mean, you know, yeah. that's a tough place to play. It, yeah, it was, a, it was one of our tougher games. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, because if I remember correctly, I, Coach, didn't they – against Southern Cal, didn't they lose on the last second field goal in the same yeah, thing? Yeah, I think you're right. I think against you're Alabama right. also, and they lost several players. Uh, they lost two players after our game and then lost a few more. But, uh, yeah, it was fun. Hey, look, it's nothing like winning in Athens and then uh, having a good time afterwards. So, we were excited. But, again, the coaches did a great job of, hey, guys – Stay, stay focused. When next game is the next game, nothing else. And so that's what yep. we did. So, Coach, uh, you know, coming off of that uh, again, and obviously you are always focused on that next game. And at the same time, though, I, I do think, and going back to what Coach Russell said, ain't nothing like being a bulldog on a Saturday night. You, you do have to enjoy the journey. So, w was that kind of the thinking too? We'll start worrying about Clemson. We'll start worrying about that next game tomorrow. But but on Saturday, when you do something like we did against Texas A&M, it was important to, to soak in that moment and soak in the victory, wasn't it? Well, yeah, you know, it's it, it was. We always, you know, we always all the staff always ended up with Coach Dooley's after the ball game. That was just standard. I mean, you know, it was it was a one o'clock game. You get through, you go home, you see your children, you, you get your wife, and you go to Coach Dooley's. I mean, you had for dinner and and you know that and just enjoy uh, the victory or the defeat thank goodness that year was all victories and, and we had great times but uh, yeah we, we did we enjoyed that and and it was back to work the next morning I mean you know it, it's it, it really it never does change it, it's you get a little bit of time to celebrate but it doesn't last long because you it's all you're always thinking about that next week I mean it, it you, you may you made a couple hours, but after about two or three hours, you start saying, "Oh Lord, we got to start getting ready for the next game." And that, and that, and that's what you have to do. You have to put it behind you and go forward. And, and Frank, for you, uh, growing up in Greenville, South Carolina, and we had had some some classic games with Clemson the previous couple of years, including handing them their only loss in 1978. And Greenville's just up the road from Clemson. So here we are sitting at 2-0 and with, with Clemson coming to town. Uh, you had to be especially anxious and excited for that one. Oh, I definitely was. I mean, obviously, when you played, you know, a team that I wasn't, I wasn't that highly recruited. Uh, Clemson was one of the teams that recruited me. And um, I remember after after I committed to Georgia, they started saying I'd never play at Georgia. I mean, you know, that, all that goes. So I was I was highly motivated to to for that game. Um, but, of course, it's more important for the team to win, and that's what we focus on. Coach Kevin hit it right in the head. Yeah, we have fun Saturday night. But remember, Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, we had to be on the field, um, and, and that started the next week. And so yeah. uh, you really had to be focused. And I think, again, the speed of the pass is turned by its leaders, and, and our coaches 
we kind of followed their lead and, you know, seeing them in the office early in the morning um, and, and they were focused, ready to go, had planned for us. You know, if you're, if you're a quality group of people, you're going to, you're going to learn from them. And I think we we followed their lead. Coach, uh, when you got together at Coach Dooley's house uh, that night after the Texas A&M game, what was the big picture topic of conversation there? Was it all about Clemson the next week or, or what was discussed? No, I, I think that, uh, you know, we, we enjoyed the, the victory. I mean, you know, you have to a little bit. I mean, good gosh, the season's long and, you know, you, you have to. And, and you all – but there is the – you know what's in front of you. I mean, yeah, no question about it. We knew what was coming, Clemson. We knew what kind of ball game that was going to be. And uh, uh, so, uh, but but I think you ha you have to take a little bit of time, uh, and, and it's short now. <laughs> you don't you don't dwell on it long. Yeah, you don't dwell on victories, and you don't dwell on losses either. You you just you kind of you, you it takes you a little while to get them over, and let's go on to the next week and. Uh, it's a lot more fun uh, building on wins, though, and his losses. I can tell you that right now. It's a, it, it makes it for a better year. And that year we kept building and building, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Lots of fun. Yeah, one of the things, too, that, that I always loved about 80 that, that made it even extra special, there were no easy games on there because back then we played six SEC games, Clemson, South Carolina, and Tech every year. And in 80, we played Texas A&M and TCU, who were both from the Southwest Conference. So, you know, literally, guys, if Frank, we, we knew we had a challenge every week. Every, every week you better strap it on. And I, that's why – that's one of the few years I ever saw where – we really literally took one game at a time. They had us washed that we had to take one game at a time. And I'll give you an example of, <laughs> of how they would do it. The Vanderbilt game, the week, the scan report of the Vanderbilt game, they, uh, they made it sound like Vanderbilt was the Ohio state of today. I, mean, literally had, you know, I remember, I remember, I can't remember who did the, I want to say coach Lewis, but I don't remember. Or, or, or Mervos. He's one of those two telling us that have guys, you know, six five, three hundred, run a four five forty. Uh, so you better be ready to play. And literally, we'd buy into that. And it's amazing, but you know, that's what coaching is about: is having your players buy into what you're doing uh, for the benefit of winning. And and we did it. Well, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough for your time, and uh, I hope you'll come back with us later in the season, uh, Frank. Coach Cavan, uh, thank you for all you've done for Georgia, uh, and thank you for everything you did in that 1980 season. Uh, you guys were awesome today. I really appreciate it. Uh, no you, you, better th you better thank Coach Cavan for getting Herschel there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, I, there's a lot of people involved in that besides me, I can tell you. Hey, and Jeff, thank you, and uh, I just want to thank Georgia for have, giving me the opportunity uh, to be a little bit a part of uh, – uh, the history of the football. It's been it's been a great run for me, and uh, I'm still enjoying it today. I second that, and thank you, uh, Jeff, for having us on today. And we'll do it again later this season. We'll have Coach Cavett and Frank Ross back with us, uh, but that'll do it for us for now. I'd like to thank our producers and engineers, Alan Thomas, Mike Bilbo, Cavill Philpot, Drew Brackett. Next week, we revisit a thrilling 20-16 to 16 victory over Clemson, but for now, the chapel bell is ringing loud as the Bulldogs have beaten Texas A&M 42 to nothing. Thanks so much for listening to 40 for 80, the sweetest season right here on the Georgia Bulldogs Sports Network.